love to be around people who are passionate about what they do. I love to read books that are written by people or about people who are passionate about what they do. I love to see interviews of people who are passionate about what they do. They love what they do, whether it's their occupation or even just a hobby, but they believe in something. They, they love something. People who are passionate about what they do. I have read and I recommend to you the book that Brother Ray had on his book table last week, and I forget the title, but I remember the author's name, Dan Cavender. And I read that. I got it on uh, Saturday night, and I was done reading it by the middle of the day on Tuesday. It's about 150 pages. And i got to tell you, for me, that's unusual. I don't usually sit down and read a book through like that, but I just couldn't wait to read what the next chapter said. Every chapter was just awesome. And it clearly is written by a man who is passionate about business. And uh, just tremendous. I love to, to be influenced by people who are passionate about what they do. And one thing I've learned, if you know me, you know that, especially with, with folks I don't know, I'm, I've always been horrible at uh, small talk. I'm a horrible... Now, if you want to talk something that I know about, we'll have a good conversation. But when it comes to small talk, whether... Sports, uh, that's about it. I, I don't, you know. But here's what I've learned in conversation. Is since I'm not good at carrying a small talk conversation, I get the other person to do the talking. And the way to do that is to find out what they're passionate about. Because just about every everybody is passionate about something, even if it's a dumb thing. Even if it's something that you don't think is important, at least if they're passionate about it, they'll talk about it. And you can say, you know, you ever meet somebody who is passionate about hunting? Now, I'll be honest with you, I could get into hunting, except I wasn't raised on hunting, so I'm not, I've never been really technically hunting. I'm not that interested in it, but, but uh, I love to talk to somebody who is. And you, you can talk to a guy and... Uh, Say, hey, hey, man, you know, how you doing? Uh, say, yeah. You live around here? Uh, uh. You uh, got a wife? Uh. You uh, got kids? Uh. Do you hunt? <laughs> oh, yeah. I hunt, man. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, the other day we went out. We got up 3 o'clock in the morning, and we went out there in the woods. We got in a tree stand at about 4.30, and we were up in a tree stand. And, boy, it was freezing cold, and there was nothing happening out there. And just as the sun came up, all of a sudden I see, I hear the crunching of the leaves, and I <coughs> look, and you wouldn't believe, man, this this huge buck. And I had him in my side. Here's a guy that won't say Boo. But you find what he's passionate about, and all of a sudden, he lights up. And that is, incidentally, that's uh, just a by-the-way thought. If you, if you want to have a conversation with somebody and you're not good at it, like I'm not good at it, find what they're passionate about and let them talk. Now, I believe that if we could have met any of the apostles, if we could have met Matthew, or Paul, or John, any of the apostles, 
I believe, based upon reading the Bible and examining their lives and looking at their own writings, that this distinguishing characteristic of the apostles would have been that they had a passion for Jesus Christ. The thing that got them excited, the thing that they were passionate about, I'm talking about if you were walking down the street and all of a sudden you realize sitting right there is the Apostle Peter. Hey, aren't you Peter? Yeah. Ah. Didn't you grow up like on fishing boats and stuff? Yeah. Man, I mean, you, you, you like, so you were like five years old and ten years old out there on the Sea of Galilee fishing, throwing them nets and pulled in. Yeah. What did it just, I've heard that the Sea of Galilee is just like one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I mean, that, that just must have been incredible. Yeah. And, and are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Oh, my soul. Jesus Christ, let me tell you, let me tell you, I, I, one day I, I'm down there fishing and uh, here he comes and everybody's been talking about him and I had seen him and I had even met him, but this was unbelievable. He comes down and he says, hey, can I borrow your boat? And I said, well, sure, I guess. And he steps on my boat like he owned it and he turns around to the crowd and he just from standing on my boat starts preaching to hundreds and hundreds of people and they were captivated and they just couldn't. And uh, he said to me at one point, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And I just, I didn't even have to think twice. I put down my nets and I followed him and the most amazing three years of my life changed my life. Uh, Peter was passionate about Jesus Christ. And I believe if you could have met, if I could have met any of the 12 apostles, that the distinguishing characteristic was, would have been, that they were passionate about Jesus Christ. If I asked you this morning to identify the thing that you are passionate about, I'm talking about the thing that energizes you, the thing that motivates you, the thing that really makes you, if I asked you to identify it, what would it be? Now, Identify it in your heart. Ask yourself that question. What am I? No doubt some of you would say, well, I'm passionate about my kids, and that's awesome. I'm passionate about my marriage. That's, that's very, very important. Maybe you would think of some hobby or some sport or, or some discipline in your life. And you say, well, I'd have to say, if I was going to be honest, I'd have to say I'm passionate about those things. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm always planning about that thing. I'm always thinking about that thing. I'm always thinking of ways to, to get better at it. I'm always strategizing in my mind, uh, and I'm always working everything in my schedule and everything in my budget around how to get more of that, how to do more of that thing, whatever that thing is. So you've identified what are you passionate about? List the things in your mind and heart that you're passionate about. And then I want to ask you the obvious question. 
Can you honestly say, Christian, that you are passionate about Jesus Christ? I believe that in the Christian life there is nothing, nothing more essential than for the Christian to be passionate about Jesus Christ. If I could put into you any one quality, you could list a whole lot of good things. But I think above all, if I could just pick one quality that I would want to be in the hearts of the people that I preach to and that I love and I pray for and that I serve, I would want to be able to put into your heart a passion for Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.8, Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. Now, Peter had seen Jesus Christ. He had talked to him. He had served with him. I mean, they, they camped together. They ate together. They worked together. They, lived, they went through the struggles of life together for several years. So it's not hard to imagine that he would be passionate about Jesus Christ. I mean, he saw these miracles. He heard him speak these words. He heard him tell off the religious, arrogant religious crowd. He heard him silence the critics. He saw him suffer on the cross. He saw him rise victoriously from the dead. It's not hard to imagine that Peter would be passionate about Jesus Christ, but Peter says to us, Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, he's not talking about himself, he saw him. He's talking to those of us who never have seen him. And he says, you are just as able to be passionate about Jesus Christ as those of us who are privileged to see him. Whom, having not seen, ye love. Christian, is there a hole in your heart today? If there is, I'll tell you right now what needs to go in that hole, a passion for Jesus Christ. There's no toy that's going to fill that hole in your heart. I'm talking to believers. There's no hobby there's no, yeah, man, if, you know, if, if I could just own a whatever, that hole would still be in your heart. If I could just go and see whatever, that hole would still be in your heart. If I could just have one true friend in my life, hey, that hole would still be in your heart. Because, Christian, if there's a hole in your heart, I'm telling you right now, the thing that is missing is a passion, a passion for Jesus Christ, where you wake up in the morning in love with Jesus Christ, where you go through the day in love with Jesus Christ, where you go to bed at night in love with Jesus Christ, where he occupies your thoughts, where he affects your emotions, where he affects your schedule, where he affects your 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 budget, where everything about about your life is, is di- directed by the fact that you have a passion for Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love. I believe the greatest quality that a Christian can possess is a passion for Jesus Christ. 
I believe it's the most important quality. When Jesus addressed the seven churches, the very first church that he addressed in Revelation 2 was the church at Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was a great church, and Jesus lists for them all the things that they had been good at. He says, I know your works. And essentially, he says, I know that you're a soul-winning church. I know that you're a church that is strong on doctrine. I know that you are a separated church. I know that you are a a missions-minded church, and, and you get A pluses all the way down the line for your record, but there's one thing that's out of place. You have left your first love. You have lost your passion for Jesus Christ. And then he says this, repent and do the first work. So what he's saying is, because you've lost your passion, you don't win souls like you used to. You may go through the motions, but you don't do it like you used to. Because you've lost your passion for Jesus Christ, You've lost the the hunger for God behind your holiness. Oh, there may be a list of things that you don't do. I don't do this. I don't wear this. I don't listen to this. I don't go this. I don't watch this. That's great. That's fine. But you used to do it because you were driven by love for me. Now you just do it because it's the thing you're supposed to do. And he goes, right, do, repent and do the first works. It's all, the first works are all tied to You've left your first love. I ask you again this morning, what is your passion? What is your passion? Do you have a passion for Jesus Christ? The great Christians of history are those who have had a passion for Jesus Christ. They hungered to walk with him. They hungered to learn from him. They hungered to be like Jesus Christ. They hungered to live for Jesus Christ. The first song we sang this morning, and we didn't, I didn't orchestrate it. In fact, I had to look and, and see. I, I think that was written by Fanny Crosby. And sure enough, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. If you're new to the Christian faith, you may not know that the lady who wrote those words, first of all, was born five miles as the crow flies in that direction in Brewster. Secondly, when she was two months old, she became blind. And as a young lady, she lifted her heart to God and she said, God, I know that handicapped people are considered worthless in this world, but I know you have a purpose for me. Show me what that purpose is. And Fanny Crosby not only did tremendous works among the blind, But God used her to write. She wrote over 9,000 poems and hymns. And over 20 of them are in your hymn book this morning, and they're in hymn books around the world. She lived about 200 years ago. They're in hymn books around the world. And you read her hymns, and you can say, Now here is a woman who had a passion for Jesus Christ. Listen to the words. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Those words were written by a woman who had a passion for Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. Jesus, keep me near the cross. 
There a precious fountain, free to all the healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. Those words flow from the heart of a woman who had a passion for Jesus Christ. She was friends with the wife of the president of the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company at that time. The president of the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company was a friend of Fanny Crosby, and she had this tune in her mind, not Fanny Crosby, but the wife of the president of the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. Her name, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at it. I think it's Phoebe Knapp, but that's, uh, she comes to Fanny Crosby and she says, I've had this tune in my head and I, I want to play it for you and I, I want you to tell me what the, what the tune says. And she said, okay, play it for me. And so the lady sat down at the piano and she played on the piano key. She played the tune. do, 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 do. She played the whole tune. And Fanny Crosby said, uh, hold on just a minute. And as was her custom, she, she, she got on her knees and she prayed for about 20 minutes. She got up off her knees and she wrote, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washing his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Where do those kind of words come from? They come from a heart of a lady who had a passion for Jesus Christ. What's your passion today? Christian, are you passionate? Do you have a passion for Jesus Christ? The people of history that have made an impact for God are the people who had a passion for Jesus Christ. In 1806, the United States, very young country still, had never sent out a foreign missionary. They, I mean, they were just barely surviving themselves. And they realized that there were people all over the world that had not heard the gospel. Some young men went to Williams College up here in the northwest corner of Massachusetts there were five young men, I believe they were all in the freshman class. They began to talk about this thing that they heard about this man named William Carey. William Carey had gone out of England to go to India to preach the gospel. And they said, how come our country hasn't done anything like that? And the world goes unreached for Christ. And we have not sent anyone out like England has sent out William Carey. And they began to pray about it. And one day they were out in the field praying, and a storm came up. And they didn't realize as they were talking and, and uh, uh, talking about the work of Jesus Christ. They didn't realize how far they had strayed from the buildings. There was nothing around for them to take shelter. And it was just a crazy, wild thunderstorm. The one thing that was nearby was a haystack. When they had mowed the field, they would rake all the hay into stacks. And then as they needed the hay, they would come. And can you imagine a, a stack of hay that is, say, 20 feet high? 
Well, you're not, there's no way if you're going to bring your, your wagon and your pitchfork and you're going to fill it up, you can't start at the top, you have to start at the bottom. So they would, uh, what they would do in those days is they would take hay from the bottom until there was sort of a, a crawl space underneath all the way around. And then when it finally got so heavy, the, the hay would shift and would collapse. And that's so they would take from the pile from the bottom until the thing got small. So there was, there was a space underneath that haystack, and these five young men jumped into that space to wait out the storm. This is in August of 1806 in northern Massachusetts. And as they're there, and they're talking about serving the Lord, they're talking about world missions, they decide... We're going to get serious about it. See, there comes a, mo- a moment when you decide you're actually going to be serious about this thing. You can talk and talk and talk, but there comes a point where you decide, no, I'm going to do something about this. And they said, we're going to pray. We're going to form a prayer club to pray for world missions. That's known as the Haystack Prayer Meeting. From the Haystack prayer meeting came the first ever mission school in America, right here in Cornwall, right near Cornwall Bridge, up Route 7. From that prayer meeting came a, the, America's first mission board, which wound up sending over 1,200 missionaries out to foreign fields. From that prayer meeting... It's a long story, but it came from that prayer meeting six years later, Adoniram Judson, that we learned about last month, two months ago, was a direct result and became friends with all those young men. America's first missionary was a direct result of that prayer meeting. What caused all that? Five young college students who had a passion for Jesus Christ. What are you passionate about? Hey, it's okay to be passionate about sports. It's okay to be passionate about a hobby. It's okay to be passionate about other things. And it's certainly righteous and right to be passionate about your spouse and about your children. But whatever else you're passionate about, let me ask you this morning, are you passionate about Jesus Christ? There's nothing more important. Not only is there nothing more important, But there's nothing more impactful than to have a passion for Jesus Christ. To hunger to walk with Him. To hunger to learn from Him as Mary did, as Mary sat at His feet and let Him teach her. To hunger to be like Him as John described in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but... We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's so much packed into that verse, but the bottom line is, John says, we know that the end game of the Christian life is that when we see Jesus, everything that has not become like Jesus will vanish. And all that's left of us will be that part of us that has become like Jesus Christ. That's a sobering thought, and that's why the next verse says, Therefore those that have this hope purify themselves even as he is pure. If you have a passion to be like Jesus Christ, 
It changes your life. Do you hunger to live for him? Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the love of Christ constraineth, constraineth us. And if you look at the context, he's saying it constrains us. Our love for Christ moves us to live for him. It's the most important quality. It's the most impactful quality. If you have a passion for Christ, it'll change everything about you. If you have a passion for Christ, it'll also you'll have a passion for God's word. Psalm 119 verse 20, My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Does your soul long for the word of God? If you have a passion for Jesus Christ, it will. If you have a passion for Jesus Christ, you will have a passion for prayer. Jesus said in Luke 18, he spake, it says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. If Jesus says that we ought always be praying and you have a passion for Jesus Christ, then you'll have a passion for prayer. Can I say this? The hardest thing about prayer is to let go of the cares of this life and go alone and pray. To me, that's the hard, that's the biggest struggle. There's always something to do. There's always something to be done. And to go apart and get with God, to me, is the hardest part. But I can testify to this hundreds of times. When I've made that choice to go apart and get with God, once I get there, I don't want to leave. Be honest with you. Prying yourself out of the presence of God is harder than pushing yourself into the presence of God. If you have a passion for God, if you have a passion for Jesus Christ, you'll have a passion for prayer. If you have a passion for Jesus Christ, you'll have a passion to praise David said in Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. David had a passion to praise God. If you have a passion for Jesus Christ, you'll have a passion for His Word. You'll have a passion for prayer. You'll have a passion to praise Him. Not only that, you will have a passion for holiness. Romans 8, verse 29, Whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. Hey, pastor, is that predestination in the Bible? Yep, based on whom God did foreknow. Don't teach predestination if you don't include foreknowledge. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Christian, you already have a reservation from God to be made like Jesus. See, what's God doing in my life right now? If you're, if you're a believer, I can tell you what he's doing. He's making you like Jesus Christ. He's trying to get you and teach you and grow you to love like Jesus loved. To have joy like Jesus had and to bring joy like Jesus brought and to have peace like Jesus had and to bring peace like Jesus brought. That's what holiness is. Don't don't let anybody turn you away from that wonderful word, holiness. 
Holiness is the process of God making you like Jesus Christ. And if you have a passion for Jesus Christ, you will have a passion for holiness. If you have a passion for Jesus Christ, you'll have a passion for souls. Romans 9 verse 3, Paul said, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's talking about the people of Israel. Listen. I cannot honestly say that I could wish myself to be accursed for anyone's salvation. Although I would have to say I, if I were faced with the choice of not, and praise the Lord, this never has to be any of our choice. But if, we had, if I had to choose, and I think many of you, most of you probably would say, if I had to choose between myself going to heaven or my wife and children going to heaven, I would choose to be a curse so that they would not have to be. That's a strong statement, but Paul's making that statement about his entire race. He said, I could wish if it were possible for me to be damned so that my whole race, if, so all the Jewish people could see that Jesus is the Son of God and trust him and be saved, I would make that choice. How do you get to the place where you're willing to go to hell if it were possible so that others could be saved. There's only one way, and that's if you have a passion for Jesus Christ. A passion for Jesus Christ will give you a passion for the Word of God, a passion for prayer, a passion for praise, a passion for holiness, a passion for souls. So here's the question. How do you get a passion for Jesus Christ? You just flip a switch. Okay, I'm going to decide. I'm going to get out of my seat this morning. I'm going to walk down to the altar. I'm going to kneel down and say, okay, God, I decide today to have a passion for Jesus Christ. No, it doesn't happen that way. How does it happen? Don't miss this. This is the whole sermon, and we're, we're finished. You will have a passion for Jesus Christ when you discover that he has a passion for you. We love him because he first loved us. And when you realize that God loves you with a consuming passion, <laughs> you can't help but love him back. That's why when Paul said the love of Christ constraineth us, you can look at that and say, is that talking about his love for us or my love for him? The, the, the answer is both. Because once you realize how much he loves you and you respond, they become one and the same. It is the same love that God's loving you with is the love that you use to love him back. If you this morning could get consumed with the passion, the passionate love that God has for you, God so loved the world, God commendeth, he demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called his sons. God could have saved us and called us servants. He could have said, there, I saved your miserable self from hell. Now just sit there and do what I tell you. But he didn't. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called his 
sons. He said, I want to be your father. I want you to be my child. That's how I love you, he says. And if you will ever understand the passionate love that God has for you, it will be very easy and very natural for you to respond by having a passion for Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I pray.